This is the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Goodison Park. Hello and welcome to your latest edition of the Royal Blue Podcast. I'm your host, Sam Cannell, currently nursing a cold, which is why I probably sound a little bit bunged up on this recording. And today I'm joined by Chris Beasley. Good morning, Chris. Morning, Sam. You okay? Not too bad. And Paul Wheelock. Good morning, Paul. Hi, Sam. You all right? Obviously, uh, regular listeners will probably be wondering where uh, Everton correspondents Phil Kirkbride and Adam Jones are, both off on the holidays, unconfirmed whether they've travelled together or gone separately. <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll look to chase that one up for you in the uh, the near future, but obviously a, a well-deserved break for, for Phil and Adam after a year of covering the roller coasters of the Blues, Chris. Um, yeah, and it's, it's transfer silly season, isn't it? But I heard the rumour that they were both going around the Lake District and um, being roamed by Preno, but uh, <laughs> yet to be confirmed. That is actually a good point. I, f- I forgot about Preno. Preno also missing in action and that famous uh, Rowan Bow photo, which we, we won't get into into too much uh, detail. Obviously, it's it's Friday morning now. It's the it's the day after the 2019 20. Uh, makes us sound really old. 2019, 2020. <laughs> yeah, 2020 was a date in the distant future, but yeah, it will soon be upon us. It will indeed. And and, and the Premier League fixtures were announced uh, by. Obviously, the Premier League yesterday, Everton, Chris Beasley, mm-hmm. looking at those first six matches, confident? Um, there's two ways of looking about this. And just, I'll just, start, a quick, just a quick, yeah. quick run through, obviously, Chris yeah. Palace away, Watford, first Goodison fixture, then a trip to Villa Park, take on newly promoted Aston Villa. Wolves are home, who obviously beat Everton uh, in the correspondent fixture last season. Bournemouth away, and then Sheffield United, another newly promoted side at home. Surely none of those are striking too much fear into your heart? There are actually two ways of looking at it, and we will be positive. When I looked at those fixtures, I did think, yeah, that's a decent start for Everton. Don't be too, too negative, though. I was just looking, and until you actually get to Burnley on the 5th of October, Everton didn't win any of those corresponding fixtures oh. last season. Before <laughs> that, I have to get that out of the way. I think that more reflects how Everton were perhaps disappointed at times and should have done better in those fixtures, because when you just look at them... yeah. In isolation, it doesn't look an like an incredible a statistic. That is a film. great shout yeah. out. Yeah, well, uh, Pal- just looking at them quickly pa- Palace away 0 uh, 0, Watford at home 2 2. Villa was newly promoted, as are Sheffield United, of course. And then Wolves at home lost 3 1. Bournemouth away 2 2. And then Man City at home 0 um, 2. So before you get to City, which obviously the big test with the champions anyway, it is seen as, as a decent start. But yeah, like I said, it's perhaps more reflective on how Everton were disappointing at times last season. Didn't pick up as many points as they should have in certain fixtures. But yeah, looking at those fixtures, it's a good start. And I think that's half the battle because if you do get off to a flyer, yeah. um, as you saw back in 05, the club's um, highest ever Premier League finish, that's half the battle. You build up that um, momentum, you get that confidence and that can um, set the tone for the rest of the campaign. And Paul, it's almost the, the anti-Ronald uh, Koeman final season, isn't it? You know, and, and I remember when those fixture, fixtures came out and you know you kind of looked at them and you were thinking, oh, great challenge, you know, if we start well against these teams, then we've got easier fixtures to come. But surely now get your foothold in these first six games and then be looking, you know, and even after that, you know, obviously you have Manchester City at home, but then you play Burnley, West Ham, Brighton, then it's Tottenham at home, it's Southampton away, Norwich at home, Leicester away. There's, there's no games really where you'll, Everton will be completely wrote off. You know, no, no Everton team should, should ever be wrote off in, in any game, obviously, but, you know, get a good foothold in those first six games, 
Goodison and that siren will be absolutely rocking by the time City and Tottenham come to town, won't it? Yeah, I agree, mate. The, the Premier League probably holders maybe four or five seasons of good fixtures after <laughs> the ones they delivered to Ronald Koeman. The, let's, let's face it, we, we can't excuse the performances that kind of followed those early games. But, you know, it, it was a horrendous fixture list. And again, it's the classic, you know, you can, the game's not played on paper, but I think like most Evertonians, I'm really pleased with it. Palace away, you know, great atmosphere at Palace. But traditionally, or certainly in the, the last few seasons, they seem to have started pretty slowly. It cost the board his job. And I think it, it was only in the second half of the last season that Hodgson really got him going. I think Zahar won't be there and hopefully Juan Bissaka won't be there as well. And those who are an excellent player. So we might be taking on a, a bit of a new look Palace and, a, and a, a weakened Palace. Then Watford at home, like I'd hope Silver thinks we should owe them one, shouldn't we? Because yeah. uh, the two times we played him last last season at home, it was just after the derby, wasn't it? And, and what happened there later on, and it was the start of that really poor run. And I'm pretty sure the trip to Vicarage Road was the at the end of that poor run before yeah. we had that like 17 day break. The pressure which, was cranking up. Yeah, like, the, yeah, yeah. And you know, I'm, he's, he's obviously a proud man, and there's he's obviously been massive improvement since then. So I'd hope we owed him one. And then, yeah, you're right. And Chris made a great stat there. The, the kind of flip side to that uh, optimism is the fact that we we did drop so many points against those sides last season. But I, I, I'm with you. It probably does reinforce or underline the fact that we even though we did finish the season really strong we, we probably underachieved because as you say taking in isolation those games there at any stage in the season we probably should have beat at least half yeah. won at least half of those so yeah I'm, I'm really confident uh, having seen what we seen what we've been served up there yeah it gets tough when we get to December but as proven at the back end of last season if you've got a bit of momentum and you've got confidence behind you Again, there's no reason to be scared of Arsenal or Chelsea or United, and obviously Liverpool have got the uh, the Indian sign over us and have for a n- number of years. But who knows? Got to change soon. And obviously, as Paul mentioned there, Chris, the mm. the super comp- the mysterious supercomputer, yeah. <laughs> uh, handed Everton a, a pretty kind first six. Uh, it definitely didn't hand Everton a kind winter. No. Uh, starting with Liverpool away on December the 4th it's Chelsea at home a trip to Old Trafford to take on Manchester United at the Theatre of Dreams Arsenal at home Burnley at home you know always a, t- a tough trip to Newcastle United towards the end of the year and then we start the year uh, with a trip to Manchester City as well do you think that could be the, the crucial point of Everton season if they've got any hopes of either challenging that top six or at least being the, the best of the rest this season yeah um we saw last year, wasn't it? And that's where the wheels came off. Um, such an encouraging performance at Anfield until the last few seconds. And then just the total deflation from the, that result. And again, it's like more or less the exact same time of year. They go, they go to Anfield again. So yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's, it's actually one of two consecutive sequences they have of when they're playing four top six sides in a row. They've got that and then they do the same, sort of not the same order, but the same sides late February, early March. So they've got two real tough runs and December's always a busy period anyway. It's um, that's one of six fixtures in that month anyway. So yeah, definitely um, it, it could make or break the season. You've just got to hope, like Paul says, that... Um, that from an Everton point of view that they can just get that good fortune at Anfield that they've um, been lacking for so many years and uh, try and build on that rather than being all doom and gloom again because something's gone wrong. Do you agree that that's the biggest kind of or the the crucial stage of the season, Paul? Or do you think this has been, you know, we've sat around this table, all three of us, many a time and, and, and Phil and Preno and Adam as well and discussed kind of how, you know, Everton's record at, at these top six sides away from home is 
to put it quite frankly, quite quite embarrassing really for a, a club of Everton's size. Do you think we kind of put too much into these fixtures or, or do you think now that the home victories over your United, your Chelsea's, your Arsenal's last season, does that mean we should go into this December period no matter what form we're in with renewed hope when we go to Anfield, when we go to Old Trafford, when we go to the Etihad? Yeah, I, I would say so, mate, because again, a lot depends on what kind of form, as you say, we are in going into those games because last season's performances will only take us so far but going into the season you've got to be confident because even though the results away from home weren't there off the top of the head the Chelsea performance was a good one we got a point there drew at Tottenham alright it was the the last day of the season there was nothing to play for played really well at Anfield luck wasn't on Everton's side they get the last minute winner Uh, United 2-1 I think United probably edged it that day but could easily have got a point there and it was probably only City away were really disappointed and like you know I think it was a a much changed City side that day and uh, just didn't perform but again it was around that time of uh, the fallout from from what happened at Anfield and I think in a way it's good and in a way it's a shame that Liverpool away kicks off that run because taking all emotion aside going to Liverpool going to Man City away is probably the toughest game in the league whether it's your rivals or not and there is more times off than not at the moment you will probably lose there because they've got an incredible record it's not just against Everton I don't think they've lost Anfield for two full seasons now but the worry so there is a chance or a good chance we may lose there because they are a very good football team it's what happens after that I understand how devastating it must have been to see Origi's goal go in particularly like that but God dust yourselves down you know, if if we were to lose Anfield that day, you've got Chelsea, United, Arsenal all to come, and at the back end of last season, they showed they were very beatable. And I, and I think all three sides are probably going through a bit of a transition themselves, aren't they, this summer? So I, I don't think there's anything to fear there. And when the when the fixtures dropped at nine a.m. yesterday, what is the first fixture you look for? Is it the Liverpool game, or do you have some of the ones that you kind of cast your eye for, like 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 Boxing Day or? Yeah, yeah, I think um, we we done that survey, hadn't we, with the fans? And I think it's pretty unanimous, isn't it? That yeah. Liverpool at home for Evertonians is always the, the fixture that they're, they're looking for. And it was it was interesting, really, given Everton's wretched record in the derby match, just how that enthusiasm for the derby, the idea that they want to get stuck into Liverpool, hasn't abated. We we, we said that. What, which game would you much prefer to have? First game of the season or last game of the season? And again, it was it was Liverpool. Oh, the, the, the fixture, which will never happen. We've talked about that supercomputer. I mean, they're a bit coy sometimes, obviously, about what they do and what they don't do. But it's never going to happen, that, is it? No. Surely, it's, I don't think it ever has happened and I don't think it ever would. There's no reason why it wouldn't, but it just never seems to happen that you would either start or finish a season. No on the Merseyside derby and the fans who took part in our echo survey they said not not just as we expected it was the fixture they most look out for but they'd, they'd love a derby to either start or finish the season I mean whoa, that'd be something wouldn't it <laughs> listeners might not know Paul that you've got a, a, an Everton mad young young son what, what was his reaction to the to the fixtures is, is he excited for yeah. the Merseyside derby is he is he ready to go again after the, the yeah. pain of last season he was made up yeah like obviously you got a sneak preview of him as well didn't we because we get them all emailed in the media we're very lucky in that respect at 8 o'clock so he was writing them down kind of thing <laughs> taking them into school and said hey there's an embargo to oh. mine <laughs> another link any, any links we can yeah. trace back to yeah. Yeah. Thomas Wheelock yeah year two uh, pupil no and no yeah it's, it's, but it's just it kind of gives you a reminder having, having kids that excitement you know it, yeah. I think we're all excited because we're all footy fans first and foremost but particularly it's, it is one of the joys of being a parent and they get into football like the pure excitement 
excitement around of like literally getting the fixes, writing them down and, and seeing which games. And he, he, again, for him, it, it was the derby. You know, it, it is, after the first game of the season, it's the derby you look for, isn't it? Uh, and, you know, hopefully... It's a difficult yeah. one, isn't it? Because, you know, when I found myself doing it yesterday, you start going through the fixtures and mm. I was kind of sat there I was like Palace win 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 so then by the time City come we're on a roll so probably win that <laughs> then we'll beat them and you get to like December and you've got 36 points from like a possible 39 or something um, and it's secured top four by then isn't it really <laughs> pressure's off <laughs> and obviously in the same week that the uh Premier League fixtures were announced. Everton took the unusual step of announcing the pre-season fixtures the, the day before uh, they would come out. And they didn't even announce the full schedule because there is still a mysterious tournament to be held uh, with details to be confirmed in July. Uh, that tournament due to kick off on the 27th and the 28th, something similar to the to the tournament we took took part in, maybe in Portugal mm. last year. Could be a, could be a hint towards that. So on July the 7th, we travel to uh, Carrier Bangi Sharks, please, if I pronounced that right. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not going to say you haven't. <laughs> <laughs> and that's in, that's in Ken- Kenya. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Um, Nairobi, wasn't it? Um, last time they were in um, that region, the first uh, Premier League team to go to East Africa. They were uh, across the border in Dar es Salaam, Tanzania. But obviously, Sport Pacer is a Kenyan firm, and after playing. Gormaya, who were a Kenyan club also the last couple of times. Yeah, it's, 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 a, it's a new opponent. Was so. that last one when Rooney scored the goal in that great oh, kick? yeah. And we yeah, all thought yeah. he was back. Yeah, well, he, well, he was back wasn't he, at, the, <laughs> at the time. But yeah, so heading out there to, to kick off the pre-season schedule. But like you say, until earlier this week, it, it was the only one uh, we knew about. Well then, yeah, it was the only one we knew about. And then a week later, then Everton announced that we will travel to play FC Sion uh, before playing Monaco. Wigan Athletic at the DW Stadium uh, the, obviously the tournament at the end of July and then the 3rd of August it's the Davy Klassen derby <laughs> against Werder Bremen in Germany obviously uh, Davy will be keen to prove a point against his former club Chris as a traditional football man no Goodison friendly as of yet strange yeah and what I do think is strange it's perhaps one that maybe well should have taken part in in previous summers and there's still a chance for it for Leighton Baines is um, no testimonial for either Phil mm. Jagielka or Leighton Baines as of yet I mean you don't know there might be one that comes in the future but they both played 12 years at the club I mean we know now club captain Phil Jagielka has moved on Leighton's still a chance that uh, he'll be there he's been offered a new contract for the season so you thought maybe that would have been the, the ideal time for that maybe it will prove that that does come about at some point, but yeah, they, they usually have one, don't they, to just to, to finish to finish things off, whether it's a testimonial or yeah. or not. So that that's strange. But as we've seen with these fixtures, <laughs> there may be yeah be another one to come, a couple more penciled in. So perhaps it it will be. But yeah, strange not to see it at the moment. How much kind of scope can you can you put onto a preseason schedule? Uh, Paul obviously haven't announced it quite late, but you know five six games seems like the the, the average. As B says, there is still you know room to probably fit one more in after the the Verde Bremen game. But, but on the whole, you, you're happy with how it's shaping up now that we finally got some kind of confirmed dates and fixtures. Yeah, but it looks like we're playing good 
quality opposition. And I think last season proved the, you know, the old cliche does ring true is the fact it's not really that all that important in terms of results. Because I remember going to the Valencia game. Getting spanked and, by Blackburn yeah, wasn't the best. Yeah, and, and, and yeah, exactly that night. And in then, the Paul Wheelock derby. Yeah, he watched the Paul Wheelock derby. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I used to cover Blackburn for people who didn't realise anyway. Uh, I don't support them. Uh, but yeah, no, for the Valencia game, I went to that and uh, we, we didn't play too well, particularly at the back. And I remember coming out of that going... Oh no, Wolves are going to put five passes on the opening day because they had all the momentum after what they did in the championship and ultimately that kind of proved true in the season. But we played well that day and we had a quite a good start to the season, didn't we? Yeah. So I'm not really too fussed. I'm just glad they're out now because like certainly yeah. on Twitter, everyone was just going, where are the fixes, where are the fixes? And glad for those supporters who will be going abroad as well because it takes a bit of planning, doesn't it? Yeah. Uh, so that's good. And in terms of a home friendly <coughs> as well, like Gareth from our five-a-side footy on Wednesday made a good point because we were just walking out after the game and uh, he, he was just saying like, oh, what you making having a home one and he said given the, the, how good the atmosphere was at the end of the season you know like every game was excellent wasn't it yeah. he said why spoil it by having like a, a friendly even if it's like a Valencia it'd be fairly low key won't it you know everyone won't be really in the mood why not have that first game against we now know Watford it'll be bouncing again and like we'll all be looking forward to getting back and I hadn't thought about it like that so I'm not too fussed if we want to go we can pop along to Wigan can't we anyway oh definitely I hope, I hope if Big Gareth's listening by the way he remembers those couple of goals I spanked past <laughs> just in case just in case you are tuned <laughs> uh, another one, and, and Landon Donovan brought attention to it quite strangely a, f- a few weeks ago. He's another another summer now where Everton don't kind of take advantage of this support base they have in America. Is that is that something that you'd, you'd like to see maybe in, in the future? Definitely, but I'm, I'm afraid in a, in a similar vein to your Jag Elker and Bain's um, testimonials, it's almost like one they've missed the boat on there. Yeah. Um, for a decade, they had Tim Howard. Like the face of American football, uh, I mean, obviously U.S. soccer in that respect, not not of gridiron, but uh, <laughs> um, yeah, the, the face of football in America, I should say, in, in the Premier League. And they did go over to America a few times during that period, but you always got the fe- the feeling that they weren't doing enough to exploit that. That they had that, and ditto with Tim Cahill in Australia. I know they went over. I think it was 2010 once, but you never felt they were doing enough. Everton really could have made an impact both in the US and Australia over that period and you're thinking the rivals have kind of stolen the march on them now Liverpool obviously going over to the States the second year on the run now played over 100,000 against Man United um, in a university stadium last year so you're thinking oh yeah they should be doing that but is it almost too too late in, in many respects especially with there being no like American players at the club at this yeah. moment it's okay for the clubs who are really at the, the top of the game because they're going to have a big support base whatever but are we just going to sell Everton to the US market I know there's a lot of um, devoted fans out there yeah. of the Blues over in the, the US and they've almost got a bit of a niche market there but mm, you do you do feel that it's perhaps coming too late but you know obviously it won't do any harm actually going over there whatever to wherever you go whether it's the Far East or the US these, these um, overseas markets that need um, exploiting to some extent I mean it is quite crass and commercial ultimately you want to have the top teams to play in pre-season but um, it's what it is what like the big teams do so you, you want Everton to be part of that Do you, do you agree with Bees in, in the sense Paul to, to quickly track back obviously we don't know what's going to happen with Leighton Baines but is Phil Jagielka a man that you'd like to see handle the testimonial? Yeah most definitely because 
let's face it, he got a couple of minutes send-off against Burnley. And the fact that when he came on, Silver insisted that he take the, the captain's armband and the fact that everyone sung his name, I think yeah. people realised, given the positions, given the other players in his position, that it was going to be the end. I still think it would have been handled a bit better, really. Mm. You know, Quite I just... odd, wasn't it, after yeah, the game? People uh, kept denying that it was, yeah, it, it was but, obviously a send-off. But I, know, but... I think with the journal, I don't know if you have, have you guys were in the press conference that night, but we got the audio for like our post-game <laughs> podcast and there was one of the, the assembled like, uh, media really pushing Silver on Jagielka's future and he kind of got a bit frustrated by the question but I thought it was a fair line of questioning because I just think there was no if they weren't going to offer him a contract just get it out in the open a bit earlier so people even even before that Burnley game because I'm I'm pretty sure even though Chelsea's transfer ban would have had some effect I still don't think it would have had that big an effect on whether we, we offered them a, a new contract so yeah, it would be nice to to honour him and and Leighton in a pre-season friendly. If if not this summer, maybe in over the break, you know, when we have like the the mid-season break or maybe early next season, because I know the footballers these days don't need uh, testimonials for the old reasons, basically to give them a bit of a nest egg for when they finish the career. But it's a great chance to uh, to to raise money for charity and and, and Jags and, and Baines have been a big part of that, haven't they? In the Everton in the community, they've been great ambassadors for the club. So from that reason alone, I'd, I'd love to see. And I'd just I'm a bit disappointed that he had to come out and, and explain that why he was going. And then we did react great, and you know we've done lots of tributes to him on like the official site and things like that. But I, I think it'd be nice to give him a proper send off. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Obviously, we've we've chewed the fat on on, on fixtures of, of both Premier League and, and pre-season there for a, a good while, but the big breaking news this morning seems to be uh, news coming out of Spain, is that mm-hmm. talks are, are now progressing for for Andre Gomez. He seems to be closing in on a on a move to Everton after weeks of speculation. Uh, obviously, West Ham and, and Tottenham were both linked. Uh, how how important would it be this summer for, for Everton to, yeah. to secure Gomez on, on a permanent deal? I think it is important. Um, <clears throat> sends all the right signals that managed to um, get a player of his calibre and the price as well in, in this day and age is hopefully um, not um, too unreasonable um, yeah. given that some of the prices that get <coughs> banded what, what, about. What would a reasonable price for Andre Gomez be, be in your mind? Well, I, I think that a player of, of, of his stature in certain marks. I think if he was already playing in in, in the Premier League, you'd, you'd certainly be looking um, north of thirty five million mm-hmm. for somebody like mm-hmm. that. So maybe that tells you more about prices in in, in England. But yeah, um, <laughs> I, I think that you know the, the the price is right. Um, and what I would like to see from from Andre um, next season is a bit more. As much as I think it's very important, Everton get the deal done. Um, he does need to start contributing more tangibly to, to games, um, game, sort of run, running games, um, goals and assists. He's very easy on the eye. We're not just talking about what, what the ladies think about him. <laughs> very, very, very elegant in and, his and movement. And I think he's I think he's a very nice guy as well. Remember his his, his hug, hug, hug you, you were first in the queue, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't there that day. I did the story about it, but yeah, because he's a nice guy, because he's very elegant in his movement. I was talking to Paul before we did the podcast on this. Um, yeah, he's he's. he's He's, he's very easy to watch, isn't yeah. he? He's, very, yeah. like, and, uh, he's, um, he's, he's got that style about him, but he does need to do a, a bit more. And I think he's well, he's very much capable of that. He was finding his feet. He'd been, he'd had an injury, been playing in Spanish football, which is a slower tempo. So let's give him his due. It did take time to, to find his feet in English football. So hopefully he'll develop on that score next season. 
Paul, I, th- I think Beezer's kind of summed that up quite well. I think, you know, it's, it's important to stress, you know, we, we all do love Andre Gomez, as, as do a lot of Everton fans, but around that time, the team suffered a, a little lull. I think Andre did as well, which, which obviously, fair enough, playing a first full season in English, in England, probably not used to not having a winter break. But if Everton do go out, splash the cash, spend over 20, 25 million on them, hand them a, a bumper contract, which, you know, in, in this day and age, I'm sure they will you'll probably want to see just a little bit more from Yeah, I, I think so. But I think towards the end of the season, he did decide to, to do a bit more. He had more shots and he was he yeah. was getting a bit more advanced. And I just think that partnership with him and Guy towards the end of the season was just tremendous. And it wasn't like one was sitting as much. They were both doing, both going forward and both coming back. I, I believe, yeah, we do want more goals off him and we do want more assists and more involvement in that kind of final third. But I just think he's a brilliant player in transition. Like my big fear this summer was that Tottenham were going to get him because yeah. his performance against, his, against Arsenal and I thought Everton's performance that day was the best of the season. I know we beat United 4-0 a couple of weeks later, but they were an absolute shambles that day, take nothing away from Everton, but they were shambles. Yeah. And he, he reminded me of Dembele for Tottenham. Yeah. I loved Dembele when he was in his prime. And he was one of those similar players who didn't really contribute that much in the final third, but he was clearly a good player. And I think if he would have been able to add more goals to his game, he would have probably wouldn't have been at Tottenham. You know, yeah. he would have gone yeah, to yeah. an even bigger club. But I just think it's absolutely vital for us. And hopefully it uh, sends a message to someone like uh, just a guy as well. You yeah. know, like that you're getting your midfield partner back and unless PSG come in for you or Man City, someone like that, you should want to stay here too. You know, like I know these reports we've had the last couple of days that United might be looking at a guy, but why would you want to go there at the moment? Yeah. You know, I, so, I think it's a big statement from the club if we get if we get Gomez. It is also big as well, isn't it? Be is in that Gomez seemingly is, is is the man Everton fans want. You know, I think it would have started the summer on quite a negative tone had he joined Spurs, especially if he'd joined West Ham. I don't think that was ever truly mm. touch wood on the cards, but you you know it, it'll get a good feeling going again, won't it? And I think even although. Last summer, fans were a little bit unsure of Richarlison's quality, which he, he went on to more than prove across the season. You know, it was a big statement that Everton went out and spent £40 million on a, a young Brazilian striker. And again this summer, it's a big statement to go out and spend the money to, to sign a Barcelona midfielder who made such a big impression on, on supporters. Yeah, you just don't... It, it, it would set the wrong tone, wouldn't it? If you let him slip through the fingers and go to a Premier League rival, um, it, it would have been uh, it would have stuck in the craw, really, with, with Blues seeing him play in front of a Premier League team. So, yeah, Dave, it was... It was uh, I think Everton were always in pole position. He seems to really enjoy that season on loan at, at Everton. He's obviously got uh, his compatriot, Marco Silva's... The, the manager there, um, other players who'd come from Barcelona um, alongside him as well, um, with uh, Yeri Mina and uh, Luca Dean. So he, he seemed very settled, and this doesn't seem to be the natural outcome. But like I said, for the time, it did look like Tottenham were sniffing around, and you'd think, oh, well, if they're offering Champions League football, maybe he would be tempted. So yeah, it, it, it's all good if it, if it does, in fact, as we, it looks like now, if it does come to fruition, then great. I think Thomas could be getting uh, Gomez eight on the back of his. Well, he's already got. Th- I mean, Richard, we, he's got Richarlison for his current kiss, but, yeah. Yeah, but that's another that's, thing. That's where's, where's the kiss? Where's the kiss out? <laughs> <laughs> what kind of, uh, we got the friendly. He's got the fix. He's want the kit now. A lot of people are, are talking about the kit, and obviously, you know, it's it's probably more for for younger younger kid younger kids than I am. Yeah, but you know, it is, it is, it is still quite it is still quite strange that it's it's not released, isn't it? Yeah, I I think so. I was just in the club shop on the the way to work then to get my dad something. Oh, I hope he's not listening to this. Otherwise, I'll give that away as well. <laughs> <laughs> but but and I was looking and like 
Liverpool had theirs out before the end of the season, before the Wolves yeah. game. Yeah. And obviously it was a, you know, it's had a great euphoria for them. Like, and then going on to win the Champions League and like, again, go back to my son, he plays football and a lot of the parents have got the kits, the Liverpool families. And it, it does cost, yeah. a lot, cost a lot of money, but you know, boys and girls will get the word out of them for a year. So you, you, you don't mind paying that. And it just feels like, why does it take so long? And yeah. people go, oh, it might not be the club, it might be Umbro. But Umbro have had hulls out today, haven't they? They've yeah. had derbies out today. And, yeah. and don't get me wrong. Two smart like, kids, by the yeah, way. Yeah, they are. Very smart. smart. So kids. hopefully it's a, a good indicator. But and I know it's not the end of the world. The most important thing is that uh, we get the deals done for transfers, we keep the yeah. players we wanted. That's the most important thing. But it does just feel like you were talking, Chris was talking about the American tour. It just sometimes feels like we we, we missed the boat a little bit. You know, well, I, again, people in turn around, well, as long as they're out for the holidays, because that's where a lot of the sales will go. But it just feels like, well, why did they like? I don't understand the whole though. Not a, not a fan of yellow in Everton kits, please. Is, is that right? <laughs> yeah, we've discussed this. Yeah, you, know, you like you like a bit of yellow in there. Uh, no, I prefer I prefer it to just be the classic blue the, and white, the, the, the blue and white. And uh, like a lot of people, I prefer the white sock. Although you know that's probably because it goes back to people's memories of uh, people who were around now. But for uh, I think for the most of the part, of the early twentieth century, actually used to wear the dark socks. But yeah, like the, the blue shirt, white shorts, white socks combo with. With no uh, yellow um, in there. I think I'm also um, scarred by the 97-98 kit, which also corresponded with possibly the worst Everton team, (laughs) which doesn't help. But yeah, it was an an awful kit in itself. The the blue was too light. And if you remember, it used to have a a yellow Yellow and white. Was it one-to-one? Yes, sewn on band. But also what made it worse was the one they they were selling in the shops if you think it's bad now, the it's one bad. they were selling in the shops was upside down yeah. compared to the one that the, the players were wearing on the pitch. So, of course, of course, it was deemed that the the players' kits, that you know, the, the the sixteen or so players' kits were wrong, not the thirty thousand replica kits. And yeah, that 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 was actually spotted by an eagle-eyed um, Echo Reed, and I did a piece with him last year. It was twenty, 20 years on. I talked oh, about brilliant. that. Well, yeah, we'll have, to, we'll have to dig that one up. Do you have a, a favourite Evan kit that sticks out, Paul? I think it, it always depends on how for me it'll probably be 2004-5 kits up there but I, I kind of assume that's because we've done well I like the one from Ronald Koeman's first season well, but again we yes. feel like that little kind of well, like maybe yellow well, neck well Paul's thinking I'll give him a bit of thinking time yeah. I'll take the desk out um, <laughs> um, again that simplicity one of the ones I liked was um, I think it was the, the 2010 the very simple one it was Lecoq's Sportif and I mean it was just the plain blue uh, yes, white, yeah, white. Yeah, yeah. And, and in many ways I know there was talk of um, was it the season before last and they were saying it was too much like a training kit people didn't like that because of the lack of detail but I think that that one the 2010-11 for me the simplicity of that I did, I did like that one so it's Paul Yeah, I could have to wrap my brain then. Uh, I think it would have been the 95-96 kit, but uh, we would have wore it in the 94-95 FA Cup final. We, yeah. we wore our new kit for that one game, didn't we? And then, was it yeah. with Danker? The, or was black, it any, the Black Hoops. Yeah, it was NEC. And then we changed to Danker, yeah. didn't we? Yeah. yeah. Probably because it's the last time we won a trophy, but I, I actually yeah. really like that kit as well. So probably, I'll probably go with that one. But I was just thinking then, like when I was in the club shop, I was wondering whether to buy a shirt, but is there an age when you've got to stop wearing fussy shirts? Like this is, this, I, I, I always take the rule as long as you don't have as long as you don't have the kit in it the full like if, strip yeah like I, I, I'm partial if it's like like this year I th- thought it was a really nice top so um, but if you if you've got full, full. Maybe like matching isn't it like if you bought the full 18-19 strip 
and you've got like wee locked yeah. in on the back of it. <laughs> might be slightly suspicious. Well, I'm Chris got... Beasley does probably have one of the biggest collections of Everton shirts. Well, no, I, I do. And like I had one last season, uh, the, the season before last, and I was just looking at it today thinking, I've not got one, oh, I'm too old now. But no, I think you've convinced me now. I just won't get the full kit. Yeah. Bees, will you be investing this year? To keep uh, no, up your no I've reached that point now because I'm I'm now older than all the players. I think it wasn't, it wasn't a natural conscious decision that I made. Made, but yeah, I think that um, yeah, when, once you get to that point where you are older than your players, that is kind of the the time that you you do stop. I'd probably be more um, inclined to invest in like a, a retro yeah, shirt yeah. now for, for us old boys. Um, big four zero coming up before the summer's out. So yeah, obviously there is. That- <laughs> flicker of hope for me one day that I'll just walk off a game and a scout will come up to me and say Sam you're ready for you're ready to go back to Goodison and wear the first team shirt we'll move on before we look like total kit nerds and, and Phil never let me host the podcast again uh, Colin Chong talking this week about the uh, new stadium design Chris obviously he is the stadium director and he yeah. gave a little bit of a hint there's a lot of material and architectural inspiration in that area, the, the Bramley Moor area, to consider, and that will allow us to look to create something unique yet respectful of its environment. Does that make you salivate towards these new designs that are on course to be released next month? Yeah. Um, it, hopefully, the long, long wait, and it is a long wait, because Everton, on and off, have been trying to build a new stadium. So I, I just mentioned I'm nearly 40. I remember they was first seriously trying to do this when I was about 16. So <laughs> if I'd have been a player and I'd have gone through my entire career now and retired now and they'd still be waiting. So hopefully the, the long way, you know, good things will come for those who wait because Evertonians were so disappointed in the early noughties when it looks like they were going to get um, King's Dock, which is obviously what was the Echo Arena now. Now, um, as a new sponsor, we won't mention them. Um, <laughs> yeah, 10 years is the Echo Arena. Yeah. Um, and that was seen as a chance of a lifetime, which had slipped through Everton's fingers. Um, I think they only had to raise, which only, but it was, it was about 30 odd million, which, like I said, we could buy one player with now out of a, an overall cost of 200 million. So to have lost out on that, I thought that was never going to come back. And now to again, like fans say, on the banks of the Royal Blue Mersey, to have that opportunity to have that Riverside Stadium is a huge thing. But also, as, as great as Everton's Kingsdock Stadium would, would have been, it would have been of its type, obviously a modern stadium, but quite generic the stadiums were back back then. They were obviously a lot better than the old stadiums, but they, they kind of look the same. Whereas now, as we've seen with Tottenham's new stadium, um, they're not just that classic bowl. Um, they're looking for steep... Um, tearing behind the goals keep that old school atmosphere but with all the best of modern facilities so to have that and to have um, in that unique location like we say inspired by the dock hopefully Everton can get the best of all worlds and um, it will and that long long wait will will be um, worth it Is it exciting Paul in the next you know four five three four five years <laughs> you could one day be as Chris said, walking down the banks of Robert Mersey and, and stepping foot in, inside that new stadium for the first time. I think we all got a little pang of jealousy when we seen the videos of Tottenham fans in there for the first time and to kind of 
go on this new period in, in, in Everton's history and, and see it all develop? Yeah, I have, I, to be honest, I have began to think more and more about it the, the more and more it, it seems that this is really going to happen because like a lot of Evertonians, like mine and Chris's age, you can have, Chris's age, you can almost have a certain degree of scepticism because we've been here before. Mm. But from speaking to you guys, Preno, Phil, Alan Myers, people who have lines into the club and, and it, it seems like everything is on track. It seems the club is doing everything spot on. So as the time goes by and certainly when the images come out next month it's only going to build it up and it just realised like it's it's quite it's quite a privilege that we're going to touch woods you know we're going to be able to see this come through because there's going to be a lot of Evertonians who are no longer with us who've, who've only ever seen Goodison and like it probably who knows how many changes in the future they're ever going to have so it's it is absolutely massive to think that we we could be leaving Goodison within a in a few years and it will be hard to take because as we've seen in the second half of last season it's it's still such an important part of, of what we do kind of thing it, it might be hard to get that atmosphere that we had for the derby we had for United had for, for Arsenal in the new place we just don't know that yet but it does feel like we, we have to do it and it, yeah I'm probably the best way I'm just really excited about it and ju- just to finish I will we'll quickly touch on on this it is transfer season it's, it's the summer transfer window even me at 23 Chris I found out Walter Smith had been sacked via teletext there was <laughs> days walking home from school and, and you'd turn you know in the shop buying your sweets and I'd turn over the yeah. echo yeah. just to see the back page yeah. and, and see what's going on Nowadays, you know, here at the Echo, some of our most popular kind of pages are, are, are transfer rumours and, and, and gossip. How much has kind of the the transfer window changed and, and, and how people consume rumours changed right, okay. since, I wondered where, since... I wondered where yeah, we were going with that question. What's going on under the bus, by no, any means? Yeah, I wonder if we asked about Walter Smith. You no, know, since, uh, since you started your own, yeah. your own career oh. and, and growing up, how, how much is, how big a part of the game has, has that become? Um, transfer rumours have always been a massive part of the game isn't it that appetite for rumours but like you said the way they've been consumed by fans is totally revolutionised without giving all the, the listeners a sort of a, a lecture on how journalism has changed I think it's changed more in my working profession than it perhaps did over the previous 50 years and that's obviously because of the internet and um, the way that um, people um, consume um, the rumours in, in in that respect and what what I would say is obviously um, there are obviously um, deals that take us all by surprise and um, can happen at the last minute but we, we, we sometimes get a bit of stick because obviously they're, they're coming from all around the world now um, yeah. Premier League yeah. recruit on a global basis they don't just you know look down the road to uh, another North West team and sign somebody sign players from all around the world yeah. so with that becomes journalists and in the nose I should say is also um, from all around the world so sometimes at the Echo we get a bit of stick saying oh well you're knocking down this story or you're saying this one isn't going to happen but X, Y, or Z in you know would be yeah, yeah. Germany, Italy, Spain, or whatever says it. It is going to happen or whatever. Um, so um, certainly, when it, it, it's our, our main men at the Echo, they uh, they do have their contacts at, at the club, and um, when when they do say something, it, it comes with with that gravitas, and it's and it's based on something. So you know whether it's happening or it's not happening, um, I, I think you you got to get. Um, uh, our main men some respect in that in that regards whether it's Everton or Liverpool and that you know they, they have got the, the line to the people in the know at the clubs and just be, because the echo says it isn't happening let's all not get um, doom and gloom because um, um, somebody else said um, they were going to sign this this player who's played five games for 
somebody and you've never watched him play and just because Phil Kirkbride says, well, uh, it's nothing doing yet, you know. Uh, yeah, it's it, it, it's a minefield, let's just put that in. <laughs> put it there, Not, like nothing's that. Yeah. changed, you know, in, in that respect, it's, it, except the internet has changed everything because you've just got that constant access 24-7. Like, I, I'm, I probably, like Chris, I've kind of come through the old school back pages writing for the paper to being in the, the new style of, of media now and when I cover Blackburn like I can remember in the summer like getting called into the editor's office and he was like you know well, you've had like stories saying the manager wants this player to do this next he's how oh, you've got any transfer stories because he was saying that's what uh, hmm. sells papers and it's true like unfortunately the fella didn't realise that Blackburn were under the transfer embargo so that's why there wasn't many stories <laughs> on transfers but that was uh, more to do with him but no but that, it, that, that was the way you, you've just said it there Sam when you were growing up you turn the echo and you'd want to see who we're getting linked with and stuff yeah. like that. It's just, and with Chris, like obviously we're biased. We want to uh, like uh, defend the, our fellow colleagues and stuff like that. But a great example for me, and I'm speaking as an Evertonian, here, not as someone who, who works for the Echo. When Phil said last summer that Everton weren't interested in Malcolm, yeah. And it was all over the internet that mm. Everton were going to sign Malcolm. And obviously we have it in our live blog because that is where you, you accumulate all the rumours and say this person from France is saying this, this person from Bra- uh, Brazil, uh, Barcelona is saying this. And it was proven true, wasn't it? Like, yeah. as Chris say, you, you know, the, our main writers, that's what they've got to do. They've got to try and find what is just rumour, speculation, yeah. agent talk. And filter it out. Yeah, and filter it out. And it's, it's not easy. And, and I think listeners uh, um, and readers now are well aware they're very clued in because we have all this kind of resource available at our fingertips but transfers are fluid I certainly learned that from my time at Blackburn like behind the scenes you can speak to agents you can speak to directors you can speak to press officers and try and get information in different ways but it can change like that like you know and unfortunately first put a call is not always if you've got a great relationship with someone yeah you may get that call but you may not get it straight away and then it's changed so it it is difficult but like and and the way we report them has changed massively but it's not yeah I'm like you like I used to pick up the Echo when I was a teenager and I just want to know who was signing so nothing's changed in that respect Hmm. I think we could probably do a whole a whole podcast on on that subject and really enlightening to to hear both your thoughts and that is just about all we've got time for in your latest Royal Blue podcast. I hope you've enjoyed the ride. We've discussed everything from kits to Andre Gomez, the stadium, pre-season fixtures, and even a little bit on how transfers are dealt with in the modern world today. Please join us on Liverpool Echo website for all your best, latest Everton news. See you next time. Thank you very much for listening. Have a great weekend. You've been listening to the Royal Blue podcast from the Liverpool Echo.